time measures off another day as we move into April 16th, 2021. And there's no time like this present to get moving with this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, campaign finance reports are in for candidates in Albemarle and Charlottesville. A developer of below-market housing units explains some of the financial details. And the Free Enterprise Forum takes a look at the makeup of local government revenues. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out from an anonymous supporter, it may seem like we just had an election, but 2021 is once again a city, county, and state election year. Party primaries are coming soon on June 8, 2021, and the deadline to register to vote or update an existing registration is Monday, May 17, 2021. Visit the Virginia Department of Elections to learn more at elections.virginia.gov. The first campaign finance reports are in for the Charlottesville City Council race and the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors. The Virginia Public Access Project has updated their campaign finance database with new reports from all of the Democrats who have filed in both races in both jurisdictions. Let's start with the two seats for Charlottesville City Council. City Councilor Heather Hill is not running for re-election. Independent Mayor Nakaya Walker announced re-election last year, but the Virginia Public Access Project does not yet include a report from her campaign. Four-term Charlottesville School Board member Juan Diego Wade raised $55,544 in the first quarter of the year, with 77 contributions of over $500. That includes one $5,000 donation from Sonia Smith of Albemarle County and another $5,000 from Seminole Trail Management, LLC. So far, Wade has spent $13,893. Brian Pinkston, who ran for the Democratic nomination in 2019, raised $40,578 between February 7th and March 31st. That's according to material published on VPAP. Pinkston's donations include 53 contributions of more than $100, including a $5,000 contribution from Seminole Trail Management, LLC. Pinkston has spent $828 in itemized expenses, and the total amount raised and spent includes $7,685 in in in-kind expenses. The report from Charlottesville businessman Carl Brown shows the candidate has raised no money and spent no money, and has a campaign balance of $25. The VPAT update also does not include a report from independent candidate Yaz Washington. In Albemarle County, there are reports for the three Democrats in the three magisterial district races. So far, there are no independents or Republicans. Newcomer Jim Andrews raised $25,876 in his campaign to succeed Liz Palmer as supervisor for the Samuel Miller District. That includes $2,518 from Liz Palmer's campaign and 5,000 donations apiece from Sonia Smith and Michael Bills. Andrew's campaign spent $928 and recorded $400 in in-kind expenses. Jack Jewett District incumbent Diantha McKeel raised $11,605 in the first quarter and had a balance of $25,543 on March 31st. McKeel spent $532. Rio District incumbent Ned Galloway raised no money in the first quarter, 
but began the year with a balance of $5,693. His campaign spent $28. There are no independents or Republicans so far in any of the races in Albemarle County. One of the biggest issues facing anyone elected to those seats this November is housing. There are many calls for local governments to invest more in subsidizing the cost to provide units to people whose household incomes are below the area median income. To educate policymakers and the public throughout the wider area, the Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership has been holding a speaker series to illustrate the challenges and obstacles from the perspective of the building and development community. Yesterday, on April 15th, the guest was William Park, the president of Pinnacle Construction. He went through the many line items that go into a financial calculation about how much it costs to build new housing. He said that at the moment, one of the major factors is rising prices for materials, with some elements costing as high as four times as much as they did a year ago. Give an example, I was just writing a purchase order the other day that I, I struggled to sign it. Um, OSB, 716th OSB that we use uh, many times for sheathing on our walls and on our uh, roofs. Uh, apartment project, we may have 30,000 sheets of OSB. Uh, typically, I'm in the $10 range. I signed the PO the other day for $42 a sheet. Other factors are permits, taxes, insurance, recording fees, financial statements, legal fees, and just about everything it takes in order to get a building permit. And then uh, reserves that we have to set aside for working capital and initial operating deficit. Park also detailed ways to help cover the costs in order to deliver housing units that can be rented out below what the market could bring in. These include grants from the federal or state government, as well as tax-exempt bonds from entities such as economic development authorities. Many projects that Park has worked on involve Virginia Housing, which is formerly known as the Virginia Housing Development Authority. They get a large portion of the tax-exempt bond allocation that goes to the state. Uh, the other uh, tool that we use almost extensively for anything below 60% of the area median income is the low-income housing tax credit. You'll often hear low-income housing tax credit shortened to the acronym LITEC. In Albemarle County, LITEC has helped subsidize construction of affordable projects ranging from Crozet Meadows to Woods Edge. In Charlottesville, recent projects with low-income housing tax credits include Carlton Views 1, 2, and 3. There are different kinds of tax credits for different kinds of projects. If we're allocated tax credits, we are then, we sell those tax credits to a corporate entity and they, in return, they get a dollar for dollar credit against a federal tax liability. This builds equity in the project, which brings down the amount that needs to be financed. This is a competitive process. In this year's cycle, Virginia Supportive Housing is applying for tax credits for their portion of the redevelopment of the Red Carpet Inn. Piedmont Housing is applying for the tax credits for the 70 apartment units they are building at Southwood. Park said there are other options for projects that seek to provide an affordable rent for households who make between 60% and 80% of the area median income. Virginia Housing has a mixed income financing program. And they have a particular program where uh, they use taxable bonds, 20% 20% would have to be set aside uh, for those uh, tenants at AMI, 80% or less. 
the other 80% could be unrestricted as far as rents, or you can choose the 40-60 option, which would be 40% below 100% AMI and the balance 60% unrestricted. The concept of affordable housing means different things to different people. Park said there are a lot of misunderstandings based on biases and prejudices. When the, the low-income housing tax credit was first promulgated, one of, the, one of the things, the worst things he ever did was entitle it the low-income housing tax credit because I think at that point everybody thinks you're talking about people that, that don't work, that have no other chance to, to I think, provide anything to society, which is totally wrong. Park said interventions to reduce rents provide places to live for service workers, including first responders and teachers. In an affluent community like Charlottesville, the area median income is high at 93900 according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. That puts many homes out of reach. Park suggested ways to help developers lower the cost of projects include expedited initial reviews, reduced parking requirements, and increased building heights. He also said a less adversarial relationship between developer and local government would also help. The planning staff needs to be an advocate and and really help get us through the process for this affordable housing because time is money. And if we're sitting there with a deal that we've looked at and the interest rate needs to be 5%, and all of a sudden this thing is taking eight or nine months to get through, and now interest rates are 6%, well, the deal may not work anymore. And that's the reality of it. The full recording of the event will soon be made available on the YouTube page for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. And finally today, a quick budget story. Relatively speaking, of course. City Council adopted their budget for fiscal year 22 this week, and we still wait to see the details on how a multi-million dollar revenue shortfall will be closed for the current fiscal year. City Council will get an update at their meeting on Monday. Albemarle will hold a public hearing on their budget on April 28th, followed by adoption on May 5th. But how did things go in fiscal year 20? which ended last June 30th. The Free Enterprise Forum has released its annual revenue report, which analyzes how each government in the planning district gets its tax money. The analysis seeks to develop comparative metrics to examine the taxation trends in each locality and determine if these trends can be correlated to other localities. In addition, the revenue report seeks to promote understanding of the impact of business and economic development to diversify a locality's tax revenue streams. The report found that Charlottesville gets 35.7% of its local tax revenue from commercial sources, and that includes property taxes paid by businesses and multifamily apartment complexes. That compares to 27.3% for Albemarle, nearly 8% in Fluvanna County, nearly 20% in Greene County, 13% in Louisa, and 20.4% in Nelson County. For more on that report, check out the Free Enterprise Forum's blog. And that's it for this April 16th installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. 
Just a quick reminder that if you subscribe by a Substack today, the company Ting will match the dollar amount of that subscription, which is another way to help me keeping going with this endeavor, which is what I do every day. And I'm really glad to do it. And I'm really glad that you're along to listen. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back in the very near future with more from Charlottesville Community Engagement. In the meantime, stay safe out there. 